Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. And we return to Our American Stories. John Rich is a country music singer and songwriter, among many other things, as we'll soon learn. He's a former member of the band Lone Star, and since 1998 has been changing the country music game with Big Kenny in their band Big and Rich. Here's John with his story. You know, my dad's a preacher. He started preaching at 19 years old when he was still in college. Uh, never never preached in the big churches, never draw a big paycheck or anything like that. He really focused more on uh, either really small churches or prison ministries or street ministry. Matter of fact, my dad went to 34 Mardi Gras in a row without missing one. Went down there in the biggest party of the year and, and would sing and preach on the corners in the French Quarter, which I don't have to tell you how crazy that must have looked. But he did it 34 times in a row, so he was getting results and kept at it. So, you know, because of that and not not a lot of extra income coming in, we lived pretty lean. We had missed meals, but we lived in a double-wide trailer, Amarillo, Texas, out in the Panhandle. And, um, you know, that's how I grew up. I was taught young that hard work counts, that uh, big ideas count if you're willing to go risk it and go out there and fail. You never know where you might wind up. That's what was always told to me. Hey, John, you just never know where you might wind up. So don't be afraid of anything. Go out there and get them. You're an American kid. You know, you've got the right to pursue happiness. All of that was told to me at a young age. So that stuck with me throughout my entire life to this exact interview. 
you know, any anybody that's willing to go to Mardi Gras uh, decade after decade and preach at the French Quarter with all manner of insanity going on, that's a dedicated individual. It's also a person with thick skin. It's also a person with a lot of passion. You know, that's a thankless thing um, on a lot of levels, but he didn't do it to be popular. He did it because that's what he was called to do, and so he just did it. Watching him dedicate his life to that, you know, you learn a lot of lessons. That's what he's called to do, and he's going to do it. Come hell or high water, that's what he's going to do, and he's going to figure the rest of it out. So my dad is a great singer, guitar player. He used that in his ministry. So growing up, my dad's always playing the guitar. Matter of fact, one of his side jobs, which he had many side jobs, was to give guitar lessons at the local music store in Amarillo, Texas. So when I was about five, my dad was leaving to go give guitar lessons. And he looked at me and he goes, you want to go with me to guitar lessons? I'm like, yeah, let's, you know, of course. So I walk out the door, I sit down in a music store and he's got eight or 10 adults kind of sitting in a semicircle and he's sitting in front of them. And he hands me this little kid guitar and says, here, just sit behind me and, and try to follow along. So that was my first guitar lesson was sitting with adults. And I was so into it, mainly at that point, because I wanted to be able to play a song with my dad. I mean, what's cooler than that? So I, I really liked it and I picked it up quick. And after about, I don't know, a couple of months, my dad says, Man, you're really good at that. You're you're better than a lot of the people I'm teaching. He goes, you want to play with me in church one time? Sure. Sure, Dad. So I sat down. I remember sitting behind the pulpit, kind of hiding behind him with my little guitar. I was banging along to, you know, Amazing Grace and, and uh, you know, the old gospel song. So that's really where I got the bug was, was just because I looked up to my dad and I thought that was so incredible how he could stand up and play something and move all these people, make them react to something. That's just seemed like a powerful thing to do and a lot of fun. Never thought it would be a serious thing. In Amarillo, Texas, you better know how to either uh, herd cows or drive a combine, do something in the agricultural sector if you're going to have a good living. Music is not something people get paid to do in Amarillo. So it never crossed my mind until 16, 17, when we moved back to Tennessee, that, wow, people actually make money playing music. being willing to put yourself out there and probably fail. I had that attitude from a, from a young age. And so we got to Nashville. We moved back to Tennessee where my mother's from Tennessee. So we moved back. And I started entering talent contests in hockey tonks in Nashville when I was 16 and 17 years old. So obviously not old enough to even be in there. And the people running the talent show would look at me and go, how old are you, kid? And I'd go, you 16. Okay. You can come in and sing, but you're going to sit right here next to me. And here's a can of Coca-Cola. Do not drink anything other than what's in this can. You know, they sat me down. And so the first talent contest I ever entered, uh, Tracy Lawrence, Trace Atkins, all these guys like that were in the talent contest. They didn't have record deals at that point either. So I got to really see what great singers could do. And of course, I never won any of those talent contests. And was totally outclassed and outgunned by these guys. But I got to understand where the bar was set. You know, how good you got to be if you're going to really break in. So that's how I started. And, and I intended on going to college. I had a full ride vocal scholarship to three different universities. And fully intended on going. But then I auditioned for this big theme park we used to have in Nashville called Opryland USA, which I wish we still had. 
But I went and auditioned for that, thinking I would do a summer job there and then start college. Well, I auditioned. I got the job. I'm making 310 bucks a week, which I could not believe somebody's going to pay me that much money to sing. I was pretty excited about that. But while I was at Opryland, I met some guys that said, hey, we're starting a band and uh, we think you ought to be in the band. We're all from Texas. You're from Texas. Let's start a band and just play around Nashville a little bit. Does that sound fun? I said, absolutely. Let's do it. And what happened was very rapidly, uh, the band was great. We got noticed by a booking agent. Next thing you know, this booking agent says, hey, I could book you guys 200 days a year all over the U.S. if you want to do it. <laughs> I told the guys in the band, I said, well, I'm supposed to go to college. And they go, well, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know. How much money am I going to make playing those kind of dates? She said, man, you'll probably make four or $500 a week. And I, I just could not believe I would make that kind of money. So I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a year and just see if anything happens with this band which my dad wasn't happy about, my mother wasn't happy about. They're like, what are you doing? At 18, 19 years old, I said, well, I'm going to get in a van and drive around all over the U.S. and Canada with these guys and play music and see if anything happens. Well, after about two years of that, something did happen. It was a band called Lone Star. We got a record deal. 1994, our first uh, single came out, went to the top of the charts, and, and I was in the ball game. I never looked back. Lone Star was made up of a bunch of guys, obviously from Texas, but they had been playing the Texas circuits down there. So at that time in country music, you could make a real living and never leave the state of Texas. Matter of fact, still can. That's what red dirt country music is. A lot of guys down there never even come to Nashville because the scene in Texas is so big. I mean, they got hockey tongs down there that'll hold three or 4,000 people. Billy Bob's holds 5,500 people. Massive places. And so these guys have been playing those circuits for probably 10 to 12 years. They were all quite a bit older than me. And so I'm stepping on stage, watching them, how professional they are, watching Richie McDonald, the lead singer, how he talks to an audience, how you build a set list, how you deal with a promoter, how you, how you get paid, the logistics of the road. I mean, all those things. It was a crash course in touring and on stage presence, all those things. So... They wound up being pretty much like big brothers to me, and I learned a lot of my chops being in that band. It got to a point where I was writing a lot of hit songs for the band, and I wanted to start writing stuff that would, down the road, it would have been more in the vein of Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy, and stuff like that. I, I heard it in my head a different way than they heard it. And uh, at one point, they said, you know what? You're going in a different direction than we're ever going to go. Why don't you go out and just do it on your own? And so that was a tough one. I had, to, I had to leave a band, and the very next song that they put out after I left the band was a song called Amaze, which was the biggest song that had come out in the past 10 years in country music. So another level of, you know, really treachery. These guys are out selling four or five million records, and I don't even have a record deal. What did I do? And you're listening to John Rich share his story. And my goodness, what a story. What an influence his father had. He wasn't teaching his son how to earn a living. He was teaching him how to live a life. And by goodness, if we all had more fathers like that. And of course, John applies what he learned from his dad. Hard work. Take the shot, boy. Take the shot. But live it. Commit yourself to it. Go all in. And my goodness, John Rich was all in. When we come back, more of John Rich's story. It's not a straight path up. It's like so many of our lives. And it's ups and it's downs. More of John Rich's real life story here 
on Our American Stories. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. And we return to Our American Stories and the country music star John Rich sharing his life story. Let's pick up where we last left off. As a songwriter, I don't think you can be a good songwriter if your whole life has been nothing but upside. I mean, what do you got to write about? Just how great everything is? I mean, okay, good for you if you've got that life, but I don't think that's that's real life. And I think in country music especially, the, the give and go, the push and the pull, the up and the down, that's the DNA of, of country songs. A blank sheet of paper and a pencil is the most daunting thing a person can look at because it's looking right at you going, okay, write something on me that's going to change your life or change the world. Write something that counts. I remind people all the time that the pages of the Constitution started off with blank paper and a quill pen. The pages of the Bible started off as blank pages and whatever they were writing with back then. You know, blank paper and a pencil are the two most powerful things in the world and anybody can afford a pencil and a piece of paper. The only thing I really had control over at that point was a pencil and paper. That's it. The phone was not ringing. Nobody's booking me for a concert. You know, very lean, a little apartment you're renting, driving a used car, you know, the whole, the whole story. But I could control that pencil and paper. And at that point, I didn't know if I'd ever get another shot in it. So I just went for broke. I started writing exactly what I thought and exactly how I see things. And, and out of that, I, I did get a solo record deal and I put out a couple of singles. They both flopped. Total disaster. I lose that deal. So now I, I'm, I'm out of a band. 
I failed as a solo artist and I'm only like 27. And so I'm hanging out in Nashville. And at that point, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm just going to write songs. I'll just be a songwriter. That's totally fine. And I'm hanging out around a bunch of songwriters. And I hear about this guy, Big Kenny, that's moved to Nashville. Everybody's telling me, you got to go see this Big Kenny guy. And I'm like, I'm like, Big Al, big and tall, big and loud, big and fat. What is he? Now they calling this guy Big Kenny. That's the goofiest thing I've ever heard. He said, oh, trust me, you'll understand it when you see him. Just come see him. Okay. So I go down to this little place called Douglas Corner in Nashville, and there's this guy, Big Kenny, and he's not country and he's not rock. I don't know what he is. He's kind of a, it's almost like watching meatloaf for somebody. Like, what What am I watching? Couldn't really put my finger on it, but it was no doubt. It was highly creative and highly impressive and totally different. So when he got through singing, they had been telling Big Kenny, you got to meet this guy, John Rich. He used to be in the band Line Star. He's like, oh, no kidding. So we met after his show and um, decided we would try to write a song together. So a couple days later, we wrote one song together. The next day, we wrote another one. And the next day, another one. And that that moved its way into us writing over a thousand songs together. And that led to this whole different, unique sound in this duo, Big and Rich, that, that really took Nashville by surprise and flipped the entire equation upside down as to what was possible with country music. 8th of November is a Big and Rich song about a Vietnam veteran in Deadwood, South Dakota that Big Kenny and I met on a road trip one time. He's bartending in this little room that, that we were playing an acoustic set in, and we get to know this guy. And he's got this just incredible story about November 8th, 1965, where the first major ambush of the Vietnam War happened, and he was there. And uh, only him and two others survived it uh, out of 29 men. And he gets back home, he spends two years at Walter Reed Medical Center. He was shot up that bad. He gets out of the hospital after two years, signs up, and does three more tours of Vietnam for the U.S. Army. You know, short of me and Kenny running into that guy, nobody knows that story. And, and what we found on the road is that when you play a song like that, even though it's about this specific guy, guess what? Every veteran and every active duty in the audience, regardless of their age, identifies with the song. We've never had the industry really behind us 100%. We've never won any of the big awards at the award show. Uh, we don't have racks and racks of, of number one plaques. But what we do have is legitimate, real, serious music, whether it's seriously pod or seriously serious. And because of that, uh, we're still out touring. I mean, we played a show in Nevada, in the middle of nowhere, Nevada, not Vegas or Reno. It's some little bitty town. I never heard of. We showed up out there. There was 16,000 people at the Big and Rich show. And the only reason they're there is because they identify with our music, our lyrics, our energy, and everything that goes along with the Big and Rich show. So that's something I'm pretty proud of. I've written songs for a lot of other people. Gretchen Wilson uh, was my bartender back in 99, 2000. Me and Kenny are hanging out. I hear the bartender get up and sing, and I went, good Lord, listen to that girl. I've introduced myself. I start working with her. Jason Aldi had just come to town. Uh, he's hearing some of the songs I'm writing now that me and Big Kenny are writing. He likes our songs. So out of nowhere, I've got hit songs happening on Big and Rich, Gretchen Wilson, Jason Aldean. Faith Hill starts calling going, hey, can you write one for me? I wrote Mississippi Girl, Like We Never Loved At All, which was a Grammy award-winning song. And I was uh, 
the ASCAP Songwriter of the Year for three years in a row. So a three-peat. And what that means is that the songs I wrote that year had more airplay than any other songs in all of country music that year. But what's crazy is those songs were not written when I was in the middle of Big and Rich uh, taking off. Those songs were written in the dead zone in between Lone Star and Big and Rich when the phone wasn't ringing. Nobody cared what I was doing or where I was. That's when I was stockpiling all those songs. So it's a good lesson learned. If you feel like you're in a you're in a down spot, nothing's happening, nothing's going the way you want them to go. That doesn't mean you sit around. That's actually when you get to work. You can you can dig yourself out of that ditch and, and get back up. And you want to use that downtime as a time to sharpen yourself and be ready for the next thing that comes along. You know, I got married in 08. About, I have two sons now, Cash and Colt, one named after Johnny Cash, one named after Sam Colt. And, buddy, that was important. I can tell you that because the lifestyle of a uh, single songwriter and then into Big and Rich, I would say horse ride a cowboy. You know, that's a raucous lifestyle. Your, your music is your life. You're pretty much living out your lyrics. Waylon Jennings style, Johnny Cash style. And while it's fun for a while, it's not sustainable. We all know the stories. I mean, it can get you. And so I think when my kids were born and I started realizing, okay, I got other eyeballs looking at me. I got other other ears listening to me. Uh, it's time to cut some things out. So I radically changed the way I lived, who I was hanging around, stayed on my music. And I think the focus got even, even deeper and sharper. And so... I'm thankful for the for the beatdowns that I've taken over the years because I've been able to really drill that into some of my lyrics, drill it into songs. And what do you know? Millions of other people have also been up and down. Everybody has. And when they hear the lyric that a certain way, they respond to that lyric. They identify with it. It rings a bell. It, it says it in a way that they feel it, but they've never been able to put it into words. You ever write a song like that? That's how you know you wrote something special. So short of the the failures, I, I think I'd be a, a pretty average, if not below average, songwriter. And you're listening to John Rich share his story, and what a story he's telling. My goodness, when he said the words, a blank paper and a pencil are the two most powerful things in the world, I've heard so many writers say that. So much of what we love starts with almost nothing, and the power of that individual to push through and turn that pen and that paper into magic, into magic. That is work. Not only did we find out he found his true partner, and this was Big Kenny, but he also found out that he was one heck of a writer. And so much of the writing that he would end up doing for other people, he did during his wilderness time. We've all been there in that wilderness time, and we have two choices, wallow or work. And he worked his way through it. And what was manifested from that work was the pain he was going through, coming out through the songs, and in the end, connecting with all kinds of people who were listening to those songs. When we come back, more with John Rich's remarkable story here on Our American Stories. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. 
With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. And we return to our American stories and to country music artist and one half of Big and Rich. I'm talking about John Rich. Here he is with the rest of his story. I've always believed that you shouldn't be pigeonholed to what it is that you're known for. I think that goes for anybody. If you're a mechanic, they go, yep, that's Bill. He's the best mechanic in town. Okay, well, that's a great thing for Bill. But Bill, what else can you do? You know, if that's no longer a challenge because you're really good at it, what else can you do? And I've always applied that to myself. Like, huh, if I've got a fire burning for something, I'm going to go chase after it. Whether I get it or not is to be determined. The Redneck Riviera, you know, that's a phrase that's been around since the early 1960s. It was kind of the tongue-in-cheek jokester way of saying, well, we can't afford to go to the French Riviera. So where are we going to go this summer? Let's go to the Redneck Riviera. Let's go to the Blue Collar Riviera, which originally would have been talking about the Gulf Coast. You know, Panama City Beach, Gulf Shores, Alabama, down through there. Well, I'd always called it the Redneck Riviera, too. But one day, Kenny and I had a show down there in Gulf Shores, and I started wondering, I wonder who owns the trademark to the phrase Redneck Riviera. So I called my attorney and I said, hey, can you see who owns the trademark to Redneck Riviera? Calls back 10 minutes later and he goes, you're not going to believe it. It's never been trademarked. And I said, in any capacity, like, what about barbecue sauce? He goes, he said, I'm telling you, it's never been trademarked at all, ever. Why? What do you want to do? I said, well, I'm going to try to trademark it. How do you do that? He said, well, it's different than songs. You have to apply for the trademark. And if they give it to you, then you have to decide what you want to sell with that phrase on it. What do you want to sell? I said, ball caps and T-shirts. This is 2008. He goes, okay, well, that's category 17. You need to build a logo. Put it on ball caps and t-shirts. You got to sell it across state lines, turn in the receipts, and then we'll see what the what the U.S. government says at the trademark office. So that's what I did. I built out this red, white, and blue star logo with these waves going through it. And the original phrase was blue water, white sand, rednecks, redneck Revere. 
I thought that was pretty good. So I sold ball caps and t-shirts for a few months. I turned in my receipts. The uh, attorney calls me back and he says, well, now I know why it's never been trademarked. I said, why is that? He said, well, they just denied your trademark because they say you cannot trademark a geographical location. I said, what is that supposed to mean? He goes, can't trademark Texas, can't trademark Nashville, can't. I said, well, it's not a geographical location. It's the same place Margaritaville is. It's just a different group of people. I mean, Redneck Riviera is a state of mind. He goes, well, I'm just telling you what they said. I said, is this an attorney in Washington, D.C. telling you where the Redneck Riviera is? He laughed. He goes, yeah. I said, all right, ask him this question. Three words. Where is it? Where is it? Because you can't mail a letter there. Nobody's address is the Redneck Riviera and nobody pays taxes to the Redneck Riviera. So where is it? So he hits this attorney back. John wants to know where it is. And this attorney, I kid you not, this guy copies and pastes the Wikipedia answer to where is the Redneck Riviera? I have it framed on my wall here in Nashville at the house. The Wikipedia answer was Redneck Riviera is a colloquial term used to describe the beachfront between Destin, Florida and Gulf Shores, Alabama, otherwise known as the Emerald Coast. Well, the second he gave that answer, I thought, well, I've got you now because you forgot about South Padre Island, Texas, and you forgot about Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and on and on and on. And I start going on social media, searching the phrase Redneck Riviera, and I'm finding people coast to coast, Midwest, you know, the Great Lakes, all kinds of people calling it Redneck Riviera. And I think the one that finally broke them was a lady that took a picture of herself on Facebook. She's got her feet propped up. The sun's going down in the ocean. She says, another beautiful sunset here in the Redneck Riviera. And you look at her location, and she was in Delaware. Because that's where all the rednecks hang out, in Delaware. And so I took a screenshot of that and all the other ones, and I sent it back to D.C., and I said, it is not geographical. It is a state of mind. It is, the, it is a lifestyle. It's the same place Margaritaville is, just a different group of people. And what do you know? I got the stamp. I got that first trademark back in early 2009. And since then, Redneck Riviera has built into a a nationwide brand. We now have Redneck Riviera whiskey in 11,000 stores all over the United States. I have a Redneck Riviera hockey tonk, state-of-the-art hockey tonk, right downtown on Broadway in Nashville, and expanding and expanding and expanding. So it goes back to the attitude I learned as a kid. And that is just because... You don't know how this is going to turn out or you're afraid of the results or afraid of failing and everybody is afraid of failing. It's not fun. It doesn't mean that you don't go out there and swing for it because guess what, kid? You're an American. You have a right to pursue happiness. How lucky are you that you even woke up in this country today? So go out there and exhaust your potential. So Redneck Riviera is a brand. uh, One of the big important things that I attached to it right out of the gate was that 10% of our profits... Uh, go to the Folds of Honor, which is a group that puts kids through college who lost a parent in combat, or they have a parent who's 100% disabled uh, from serving our country. And to date, between the bar, the whiskey, and, and merchandise and things like that, uh, we've now sent $1.6 million back to the Folds of Honor. We're in their top 1% donors for that great organization. So, and like I say, high school diploma in a trailer, <laughs> uh, that's okay. You do not have to have some some fancy pedigree to go out here and win in the United States. Well, about four or five years ago, I was watching my sons watch me, and I'm watching the news. I'm talking to the TV like a lot of us do. Like, can you believe this? Look at what this guy's doing. Look at what they're doing in D.C. Look at all this stuff. But then the music industry that I spent my whole life working in, 
is one of the perpetrators of a lot of this stuff. I mean, they're part of it. And I had been told multiple times by my record label, Warner Brothers in Nashville, huge record label, John, stop talking about this subject. Stop making these comments. Don't do interviews with these people, those people, or that network, or this network. You're going to upset people. Stop it. And they, they were getting more and more aggressive with telling me what I could and could not stay. I played that ball game with them for a few years, and one day I just decided, okay, my two boys are watching me. Am I going to be the guy that yells at the TV, but then puts my boots and hat on, and I go walk the red carpet and play patty cake with the same people that I was just yelling about? Because that's called being a hypocrite. And am I going to have my boys look at me and say, well, dad, yeah, dad, dad felt strongly about it, but when it came down to making a dollar bill, dad rolled over. I don't think so. I decided, you know what? I'm going to say what I want to say. I'm going to make the stands I want to make. I'm, I'm going to probably lose the entire music industry and all of country radio, which is what I spent my whole life pursuing. But at the end of the day, do I have integrity? Do I, as an American, did I let somebody take away my freedom of speech? Did I allow them to scare me into silence? And I thought, nope, I'm not going to be that guy. So where I sit today is... I'm completely independent. I have no publishing deal. I have no record deal. I, I answer to no one other than God, my wife. And so I write my songs. I put the songs out. And of course, on the road live, and I tell people, hey, here's my new song. What do you think about it? And guess what? The last four songs that I had put out, all four of them went to number one on the all genre download chart on iTunes, which is the holy grail of downloads. Not number one in country. Number one across the board, the last one I had called Progress, sat at number one for two weeks. Number two was Lizzo. Number three was Beyonce. Number four was Billie Eilish. And here I am, John Ritz, sitting at the top for two weeks because that many people are going and downloading the song. So I like where I'm at. I like that I don't have to answer to people. I like that I don't have to uh, edit myself. I can be an American, I can be a Christian, I can be a dad, I can I can say when I don't like it and I can say when I do like it, and it's okay if everybody doesn't like that. That's a pretty free place to be. And so for me, you learn, you know, the right to pursue happiness. We're the only country in the history of, of written history of the world that recognizes what they call inalienable rights, meaning rights that are not granted to you by mankind or a government. They're granted to you at birth by the creator with a capital C. And those rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And one thing that I've always pointed out to people, it doesn't say you have the right to be happy. It says you have the right to pursue it. Get out of my way. Let me go try. Let me go pursue happiness. So what made my dad happy was, was preaching at Mardi Gras, preaching at prisons, having impact on people. And for me, uh, it was, man, I wonder how far I could go with this guitar. I wonder what I could do as a songwriter. I wonder, you know, can I even compete? And what do you know, throughout, throughout the years, a lot of disappointments, a lot of contracts came and went. The phone would ring and the phone would stop ringing. And that's when you find out what you're made of. Are, are, you, are you doing this as a hobby? Or are you doing it just because it's fun and easy? Or are you going to do it when it's hard, too? And I've done it on both sides. I've, I've done it when it's fun and I've done it when it's hard. And uh, that's because that's what I love to do, and that is my pursuit. And a terrific job on the production and editing by our own Madison Derricott. And a special thanks to John Rich for sharing his story. And download his new record, The Country Truth, wherever you download your music.
and those words, the pursuit of happiness. It's not the pursuit of pleasure that's in the Declaration of Independence. It's not the pursuit of property, though it was there for a minute. What an empty thing to have a whole lot of property and no happiness. And it wasn't the pursuit of wealth. And his dad taught his son what the pursuit of happiness meant by doing what God called him to do. And John had to figure out for himself what God called him to do. And I love that he said, and they don't have to like it. That's fine. That's so American, too. A quintessentially American story. John Rich's story here on Our American Stories. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you. 